Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all of your love and blessings and grace and mercy. Thank you for our sweet salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the atonement of the cross. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is seated at your right hand and we are seated there with him in heavenly places. Thank you for the work that you give us to do here, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. I ask that everyone here and everyone who hears this message be met at their point of need, Lord, or needs, that they be healed, empowered, loved, and prospered, and have greater revelation of that love from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been talking about life after the Spirit, amen, and how... It is imperative, essential for the Christian to, in order to live a successful, strong Christian life, to learn to walk by and after the Spirit as opposed to walking after the flesh. Let me just break that down for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Paul asked that God will keep us sanctified and holy, spirit, soul, and body. All three parts. Amen. Amen. The spirit in us belonged to Satan when we were born. Not because of anything we or our parents had done. What? Because of what Adam had done. When sin entered into the garden, that seed of man was corrupted, and everyone born after him had that corrupted sin nature in their spirit. That's why it's unfair if if children pass on that they would go to live with the enemy, so God protects them for a time until they can choose on their own. But now we as adults, thank God, we have chosen Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when we did, that sin nature was evicted. And the Spirit of God ushered in. The moment you believed the gospel, when you heard it, that God had come in the flesh, died on the cross for your sins, was buried, was resurrected, And lives today, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And so now, we talked last week, I I, I used the example of the palm tree. How we compared to palm trees and how David, when he was writing that psalm, compared believers to the palm tree. And we said, why, it was compared right alongside the cedar. Why the palm tree when the cedar is fragrant and beautiful and adds more shade and is good for the wood and all that? Well, most trees, you can do a process on them called girdling, I mentioned, or wringing it. You cut the bark all the way around the layer of the bark and it cuts into that that tiny outer layer and that's basically the flesh that, that that tree receives its nourishment from. Not the palm tree. You can, you can take all that stuff off the palm tree and 
shave it and do all the things you want to and it just looks better and it's still healthy because it receives its nourishment through the, the trunk, through the core, through the roots that are down way deep in the ground. That's why it can th- thrive even in harsh conditions with very little water. When there's everything seemingly in opposition to it thriving and living, it will thrive and live. And just like the palm, a believer in Jesus Christ should flourish even amongst his enemies, even in a hard world, even amongst the wolves, as we as sheep have been sent out amongst the wolves. But we have a great shepherd in Jesus Christ. But we thrive even in the midst of our enemies in adverse and harsh conditions because the true believer doesn't live by the flesh, but draws from the Spirit the inward man that has been renewed with the Spirit of God and sealed in that portion of us that has been redeemed and saved our spirit. The true believer doesn't live by the flesh. He draws on that spirit. He draws on that inward man and he learns about that inner man so that he's more effective in walking in it and agreeing with God or walking after the spirit, which is just essentially agreeing with God. The moment you agree with God, the better things get in any given compartmentalized area of your life. Whatever you're hiding Some things we give him, some things we hold on to. He's trying to get us to a place where we totally surrender. I think of those old commercials, the Nesty Plunge, remember? You just fell backwards into the pool, trusting God. Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit and with the the promises of God, and that's what... That's where our life should come from. Our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Not the joy of a promotion at work. Or the joy of, a, of, of, of having the right mate. That, that <laughs> Instead of doing, making a bad choice in, in, in certain things in our life. Because it means a lot. You're totally a new creation. Isn't that what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17? Let's look over there. If you have a moment. Make sure I get that right. Sometimes I say 1 Corinthians and then people go study it out and they're like, I didn't say that at all. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, I always find out what it's there there for. <laughs> I'll go back to verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, all that he and him and for him and by him, that's all about Jesus, isn't it? You know, over 130 times Paul writes in, in his epistles, the in him and by him and through him and for him. And it's all about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> so he died for our sake and was raised. Therefore, now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. That means that once upon a time they walked amongst him. He he had made himself like them. He had to come and be like them to be a kinsman redeemer. And the only thing he had, he, he laid everything aside, all of his privileges and rights and authority, and he became just like us. And the only thing he had going for him was when he was 30 years old, he was baptized in the Jordan River by his... Well, he had been trained up in the Word of God, preparing for 30 years, but then he was baptized by John in the Jordan, and when he came up out of that water baptism, he was also baptized in the Holy Ghost, and that dove lit on him and stayed, as if a dove lived lived on him and stayed. And that's the power he drew from. You never see him performing a miracle before that time. You never see him doing mighty works before that time. He had the same thing that you have if you indeed have the Spirit of God living in you. He says, so we once we knew him after the flesh, but now we don't. Hey, why? What, what do we see him now? Conquering king. We see him as our God, eternal father, brother, savior, friend, kinsman, redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us, Lord and protector and provider. Amen. Therefore, now we know what it's there for. (laughs) If anyone's in Christ, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we have a ministry to reconcile others to God because we've been reconciled to God. Amen? Look at down at, at just below in chapter 6. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You know how you would see, receive the grace of God in vain or frustrate, it says in another place, the grace of God? is by continuing to try and earn your own salvation. To continue in your works instead of depending upon The Spirit of God, which is in you. That's why Jesus tells an interesting parable talking about faith. He he compares our faith to a slave, which we know that faith is is, um, a characteristic and an operation of the Holy Spirit. So we don't mean it in a disrespectful way, but what he's saying is, I died for you to have it, now put it to work. Send it out to accomplish that thing which you have sent it out to do and don't let it rest until it has done the work. Amen. Amen. Look down to the 14th verse of chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked. He starts telling us. Now, because of the therefore... Because of what he's done for us and what he's given us and who he's made us, we're not just a, we're not just a, we're not just changed. Okay, we, we we didn't just change our attitude. The world looks at you and they think of Christianity as behavior modification. That's why they watch you so closely to make sure you still screw up from time to time, so it makes them feel better about themselves and that this Christian stuff is really just a bunch of nonsense. It's not behavior modification. You are not someone who went and just bettered yourself. You died. 
And from that seed that went into the ground, something new bursted forth. A new creation full of life and love and peace. And now you're learning how to to walk in these new with these new feet, these new clothes, these new this new adornment. Amen. <laughs> like a baby, you have to feed on milk for a time. But call, Paul is continually calling us out of the milk department and into the solid food department. He says he, he tells the churches, he says, Man, by this time many of you ought to be teaching, and I'm still I'm still giving you the bottle. You know, that's what he told them, not you guys. <laughs> you all maturing rapidly, amen. amen. <laughs> oh, but we're a new creation. We're not just an old one that got patched up. That's what a lot of churches do. They try to get you all patched up and send you out and say, look how I've changed. You haven't changed. If you change, then you're just a... You're just one of those good people that's going to be in hell. A lot of good folks go to hell. According to the world's standards, good folks. Philanthropists and things, this and that and the other. Because you know why? They've got their accolades hung all over the wall. And the headlines of the newspapers. Look what I did. They never gave it to God. Amen. I don't need credit for anything. It's like that song. Well, we didn't sing it today, but if, if they all forget my name, that's fine with me. Because I'm just trying to, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Amen. <laughs> Look over in First Peter, since we're back here, we'll just flip around in these epistles for a second. Peter said, a lot of wonderful things. He, if you, we know the stories about Peter. It, it doesn't uh, surprise me that he's sometimes pretty blunt and to the point. But he says a lot of beautiful things too. In First Peter, chapter two, look how he talks about you now. <clears throat> um, let's see. I just want to back up a little bit. I'm going to just start in the second chapter and just read because it's going to bless you. He's telling us how to live now as holy people because that's who we are and we have to see ourselves that way and that's where I'm going today. You have to see yourself loved, first of all, by God and accepted and forgiven. You have to have a revelation of that love because you're working from that. Without that, you're nothing. Okay? <laughs> but now that we know... Let's just, in the courtroom, the lawyers used to always say, the lawyers start talking about something, and the other lawyer stands up, Lord, we stipulate. We agree with that part. Just move on. We'll just give you that. Okay? <laughs> so let's stipulate that you're loved and holy, children of God. Peter says in chapter 2 of First Peter, So, now, put away all malice. Don't be mean no more. Some Christians are mean. Do you know that some sheep bite? Yeah. And that's why pastors are quitting all over the place. <laughs> the overwhelming majority of pastors, if they haven't quit yet, they're thinking about it. That's what the studies say. And I, 
I don't believe in studies or polls, but Lord help them. That's why we pray for them. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Don't talk about folks. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. Here next Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that, I just talked about that. that. That by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. How many have you tasted that the Lord is good? Amen. He is, amen. As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. He said, if, that, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you too. Trust me, if you're too popular in this world and everybody likes you and you don't ever have a problem. Listen, if you never bump into the devil, it's because you travel in the same direction. <laughs> I'll just leave that right there. As you, <laughs> As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So see, remember what I was telling you last week? You don't have to turn your collar around backwards and go to cemetery, I mean seminary, to be a, a priest. God has made you a priest. You understand? Or a saint. They don't have to tell you that you're a saint and, or, and call you one and put you a... A picture or a statue at uh, what's that? The Vatican? No. Everyone who's ever said, "I believe," I believe Jesus. I believe you. I accept you. You're a saint. You're a saint. Not only that, I'm going to show you. You're being a priesthood to order to offer special uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, where it stands. In Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, will not be put to shame. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't be made ashamed. You know, it says that all throughout the Bible. And one time after service, a lady came to me who had been a preacher's wife in a denominational situation and at one time she was, and she came to me and she says, where does it say that in the Bible? That I won't be, and I said, where, I, I just, like Tourette's or something, I said, where, where doesn't it say it? It's, it's one of the overriding themes in the Bible. I said, you go home and next week, well, you come and you bring me 50 places where you found it and I'll bring it. She said, never mind. God bless her. <laughs> I still love her. Huh. For it stands in Scripture, and I'll be put to shame. So, verse 7 So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected, that's Jesus, has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You understand, those who are living apart from Christ are offended by the Word of God. They're offended by the things that we say about him. This word is offensive to those who are living apart from it. But have you ever noticed when I'm preaching and I say something that you've, you've really allowed God to, 
to, to change that area of your life, you're in total agreement, you're like, yes. <laughs> you know, that's how it is. You're like, yeah, preach it, preach it. <laughs> and then the other times you're like, <laughs> the Baptists are going to beat us to the <laughs> Jimmy's. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, here's where I was going, verse 9. But you, this is you, are a chosen priesthood. No, you're a chosen race. Look at that. This is a new race of people. has nothing to do with red, yellow, black, or white. Christ doesn't care about that. He decided that for some of us because he had different jobs for everybody, different challenges for everybody. Amen. Amen. But he's talking about a race of people now that belong to him. And we're all the same color in his eyes. We're all really the same gender in his eyes. Not down here. (laughs) But that's not what it's all about to him, you see. (laughs) Sexuality has a place in this world. (laughs) Never mind. Let me move on. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You see that? You're a part of the priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies. And here's why. You see. Here's why he's done it. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Remember the demoniac. When Jesus. When they went across the lake. Let's go to the other side. And they almost drowned. They blamed Jesus for not caring. And then all of a sudden he rebuked the wind and the waves. And they were there. When he stepped out onto the land, remember in the tombs, there was the demoniac who couldn't even be chained anymore. And Jesus was there to free him. Where was I? <laughs> it goes on, look at verse 14. Well, I, was, I went back to 2 Corinthians somehow. Let me just go back to to Second Corinthians. So for time, chapter six, verse fourteen, he goes on to give us further instructions. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Now listen, Jesus. I talk to people about this sometimes. Jesus, you would find him in the bars and. <laughs> and the, just think of the worst places. In the crack house, maybe, whatever. He would be the type of evangelist that would, that's where you'd find him preaching to folks. But he never got dirty, you see. He was that filled with the Spirit and that holy and that mature in his faith. It's not recommended for immature Christians to go back to what God has called them out of. You'll know if it's ever time and when it is. Amen. 
Okay, I just want to make that clear. But he's not saying that you just withdraw from the world here. He's saying, realize now that you are different. You are a new creation. That old person is dead. Paul goes on to say, if you have unbelieving friends and you want to go to dinner with them, go ahead. But just be careful. You know what I mean? Don't go too far. You're, you're there to be an impression on them and not vice versa. Amen. Okay. Second Corinthians 6.14 Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Your body now is a temple of the Spirit of God. This is just a vehicle. Who you really are is that born again portion of you that has a soul, a mind, a will, and emotion. You think you're this body that has a personality. Nope. You're a spirit that has a personality. And you're cruising around in this vehicle that's perishable and you're going to get a new one of these. And this thing, this personality is going to know a lot more one day than it does now. But that spirit is already the mind of Christ. You are in Christ. See, that's, that's what I mean. You're a new creation. You're a part of the body of Christ. You're not just an old patched up sinner. <laughs> Why me, Lord? <laughs> For we're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. You are his people. Therefore, go out from a from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Be sanctified, be set apart and made holy. Allow yourself to be different. I got a feeling that there's really nobody here that has a problem with that. Because I know what God is doing. I know what God is up to. And he's after a people after his own heart. Revival is coming to this nation. And there are real parts of his body. And there are tares sown all throughout the church. That's the weeds amongst the wheat. And you know what God told us to do about it? Nothing. Let them grow. Because when we uprooting some of them, we might offend some of you, because you won't understand if you're immature, and, and you might leave too. That's just a legalistic church over there. They ran my friend off. Just let them grow together. The angels are going to do the separating when they come, you see. All good wheat here, see. We fertilized and, and we put down weed control. We did it all. We take good care of the soil. Amen. Amen. You know what drives away the tares? The truth. Preach the gospel, son. That's all. That's all I've been told. 
But sir, you don't understand. I got this person in my church. They're trying to destroy. Preach the gospel. Preach it stronger. Preach the truth. They won't be able to stand it. They'll either leave or they'll get rid of you. But either way, you've done God's will. And I've been in both situations. But isn't, aren't those the people that said you were just the, you were the next thing to Christ, the best thing since sliced bread, you're so anointed, and oh my God, they're blown away and they love you so much, Pastor, and now they hate you? I still love them. I love them coming and I love them going. But I got to do what God tells me to do. I got to say what God tells me to say. I'd rather, you know, if I'm standing in front of Him one day, which I will be, and you will be too. And the worst thing is that, well, you made some of them mad because you were telling them about me. Yes, sir. Good, good boy. <laughs> good boy. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. <laughs> oh, I feel better. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Ephesians 4, if you don't mind. How are we doing? Everybody good? Okay. Okay. I'm going somewhere today. I have a clear idea of what God has wanted to share. But I always, I, I tend to take a while to get there, but it all means something. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I had a, a bishop one time, uh, really like Bishop Bridget, remember him? <laughs> he said, that will, he's something else. He'll sneak up on you. He, he just, he just preaching along, preaching along, and pow! <laughs> Because uh, because he came into town one night and he came to see me with uh, the first time I was ever called to another church to preach. Well, not the first time I preached on Sunday, which was just to me and you, and you were running the camera <laughs> after everybody, everybody else went to another uh, church with with the real pastor. <laughs> we didn't know we were going to be alone, but that was powerful too. But the other time I was called to another a real church where they had real uh, people and all that. <laughs> And, I, and this uh, bishop had come to, to visit and watch me as well. And, so, and I preached, and I just uh, went through some things. I laid it all out methodically. And then, and then uh, when the Lord got to, to the, the, the point he was trying to drive home, everybody in there hit the floor. And they were just laying there weeping, and they couldn't. I mean, I was just standing there. For a while, and I just went and sat down. I, I just went and sat down. They're all slain in the spirit, and I'm like, I am not interrupting this because I didn't do it, you know. And I went and sat down. And so after that, that pastor always yeah, he, real fun guy. Yeah, it was. That's where I went. Ephesians chapter four. I, therefore, I love all these therefores. Let's just back up. I always like to back up when I see a therefore. 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a prayer for you from Paul. 
want you to know what you already have. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work, where? Within us. It's already in you. Hallelujah. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Paul didn't mind humbling himself. He would beg you. He would urge you. He would beseech you, brethren. Because of the therefore. It was always based on because of what he's done for us. I'm begging you now. And he was in chains when he wrote this. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Remember we talked about, I did a whole message on meekness. That that teachable spirit, remember? In love. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, capital S, in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the baptism into Christ he's referring to. There are more than one baptism. We'll talk about that another time. But that's the one he's talking about. The one that brings you into the kingdom of God. Amen. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in you all. But grace is given to each one according to the measure. Anyway. It's not about behavior modification. You've been changed. You're loved. Now you've got a calling. And one of the main things that Jesus prayed on the last fateful night, and he will have in his true body, the true church, which is a believer spread all over the world. Believe me, just, just don't just look around on uh, the United States. because, it, Matter of fact, if you could really see what's really going on in the United States, if you had fair and impartial media... That love God like you do, you would see amazing things happening even here. The church has always thrived in times of greatest persecution. Uh, Brother uh, Summerall, who's gone on to be with the Lord, uh, little man, he he said in China, he 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 bought a he bought a big ship. He was he was overseas. He was in 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 Israel, and. and he began to see what the Lord wanted him to do. He said, I'm going to buy a giant ship and we're going to fill it up with good things and medicine and food and stuff. And we're going to go around to these places that are so suppressed and we're going to help people and feed them and we're going to feed them the gospel. And he goes, we're going to buy a big, one of those big giant military airplanes, a C-130, and we're going to use that also. And he went to the government and they said, no, no civilian has ever or ever will own one of those. And so he went and he built the hangar for one. <laughs> Cost a lot of money and a strip. And then they changed their mind and he ended up having the first one. And so, but anyway, he, he said in China where, you know, they, we hear a lot about the fact that they have Muslims in concentration camps, you know. But believe me, they do that to Christians too. They they will kill you. You know, the church is basically underground there. 
And it's prospering like you wouldn't believe. But even back then, Andrew talks about the wonderful things that are happening now. But back then, that was maybe 30 years ago. He said, man, they, they see people raised from the dead in the, in the Chinese church all the time. All the time. I believe it's kind of like with, uh, with Adam and Eve. They, they lived for hundreds of years after they died spiritually. Because they just didn't know how to die. Nobody told them they were supposed to. So they just kept on living. But in the Chinese church, he said they raise people from the dead all the time just because they said the word says that they're supposed to. And he says they just, somebody dies, they just gather around them from the church. They just gather around them and begin to pray. And they'll ask the Lord if it's their time or not. And if he says it's not, then they just continue to pray until they just get up. That's right. There's no da- there's no spiritual tug of war going on. I'm releasing faith, you know. Oh, I'm praying for you in the name of Jesus be healed. I command cancer to leave your body. God says you are healed by Jesus stripes and I declare it so in Jesus name. Pick up the phone. Oh, sister so and so is so sick. It's stage 4. I don't know. They say three months. <laughs> Careful who you get on your prayer chain. Yes. Don't let it be a gossip chain. Yes. <laughs> what I was trying to point out in Ephesians 2, the very first scripture, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Everyone in this room at one time, that was you. You not only followed after the ways and the course of this world, whatever you thought was best and, you know, what's best for you and all that, just like you were born with that sin nature. But you were dead. You were dead to God. Just like Adam and Eve died when they sinned. He said, the day you eat of it, you will die. And they did. Spiritually. And then he still loved on them and protected them even after he cast them out of the garden. Look what he did for Cain. He put a mark on him, but then he protected him. He said, nobody's going to harm you. He's always been loving and kind and generous. But I just want you to see that you were dead. You were not just fixed You were resurrected with Christ. You died. You have to reckon yourself dead. You have to see yourself with him on that cross. Don't just, we look up there and we just thank him. You know, I know when I'm taking the communion, I'm thankful. I see him. I try to see him bleeding. And I'm thankful that that blood redeemed me and bought me out of bondage and paid for my sins. And then I see him being beaten and spit on Beard pulled out, mocked and criticized, and for all that whooping, I see my healing. But what we need to see when we see him hanging there on our behalf, we need to see us entering in into that body with him. Amen. And dying with him. Being taken down and buried with him, just like that seed. And then resurrecting, free of sin and guilt and shame 
and poverty and strife. And all the things that hinder. Free. Free now. To live for Christ. A new man. Romans 12, 1, 2. Here's the trick. And then I'm trying to close here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You hear me uh, quote this a lot. Here's Paul again, humbling himself to you, as I will today. I appeal to you, I beseech you, he says in the King James, therefore, and we know what it's there for, let's just assume, let's stipulate that it's always because of what God has done, because of God's goodness toward you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy and grace, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It says your reasonable sacrifice in the King James. It's only reasonable that he should ask this of you now. Be his and let it be known that you're his. Amen? Amen? And then here we go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed. That metamorphosis, like the, like the caterpillar coming out of the cocoon as a beautiful butterfly now. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Here's how you're transformed in your soulish realm. You've already been changed in the spirit. Your spirit is always filled with peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have all the peace, love, and joy you need. But you need to get it here in your soulish realm. And here's how you do it. By renewing your mind according to the Word of God, which is in agreement with the Spirit of God, which is in you. And then this thing will just follow suit, this body that you're riding around in. Trust me. It'll be two against one. And once your soulish realm really believes what your spirit is saying, that by Jesus' stripes you were healed, your body will heal. Because God sees you after the spirit. And that spirit, man, he's looking at is healed, is prosperous, is whole, is filled with the joy of the Lord, is powerful. Is his child protected, beloved? And he wants you to work out into this soulish realm, into this body, that which is already within that salvation. It's called living inside out. You see, the world lives from the outside in. They're affected by everything they see, what they feel, what they hear, what they taste, and what they touch. The Spirit of God within you, you cannot discern with those natural five senses. You have a sixth sense, though, an unction, a knowing from the Holy One in your spirit. And that's what you're supposed to go by. It'll always line up with this Word. Because the devil will try to lie to you, too. He'll give you a bunch of truth. And then he'll put a little leaven in there to lead you off course. See, he told Eve in the garden, he, said, he agreed with her about some of the things God said. And then he took her off course. Just by 
changing some of the things God. You will not surely die. Well, God sure did say she would. You see what I'm saying? Romans 8. Um, George's wife was texting me this week. She was so excited. And I honestly think that she just happened to come across this in her reading. She forgot that my whole message last week was about <laughs> Maybe she didn't hear it. But the same scriptures, she got so excited she had revelation. See, the light went on. You can hear it a hundred times, and one day you're like, oh, my goodness. But it's awesome. And I was so proud that, that she had come to terms with that. Romans 8, it, it talks about living life after the Spirit. I'm not going to go there, never mind. Read Romans 8, 1 through 18, and just meditate on that. Who you are and what you have. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If those who live after the flesh will die. That's death. You live after the Spirit. It's life and peace. What I really wanted to get to was Mark 4. And then I'll close. See, I just saved you all that time from Romans 8. We're going to stipulate that life after the Spirit is good. Amen? Amen. Don't live from your flesh where somebody can come and girdle you or ring you and cause you to die from bitterness and defeat, condemnation. Live from a place they can't get to. They can do anything they want to this outer flesh. Just make you more beautiful and stronger in God. Amen? Amen. Because that's not where you're drawing your strength from. Mark chapter 4. Jesus had just been preaching to his disciples about the the soils and the parable of the, the sower. Remember, we I had a message on that recently. The four types of soil and the farmer sowing the seed. And depending on the ground, which is our heart, where he sows it, depending on the, the condition of that heart or that ground. It might be rocky, it might... We have thorns, it might be good ground, you know, or it might be along the path. Depending on that, it will depend on the, the harvest that you reap. Amen? And he had just been telling them that. And what he was explaining was the importance of the Word of God in their lives. And how it should be uh, very important to them. And should be cared for and and uh, tended to that garden of the heart. Amen. So that the word of God can take root and bear fruit in their lives. And the extreme importance of it. And how those who don't understand. Because they haven't meditated on it. They haven't given it the time and the care that it deserves. They're the ones that the devil can come and steal from. See he didn't care about you. He wants to get that word from you. Because this is what will help you. And give you life. Amen. Amen. But he had just been telling them the parable of the, the seed. And then here in Mark chapter 4. Uh, at verse. Uh, okay, let's just go back to the very end. And he says. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones. In verse 20. Who hear the word of God and accept it and bear fruit. 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. This is the good ground. This is you guys. Okay. 
And then he turns and he says, and he said to them, verse 21, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He told these parables. He, he was explaining to them of the soils, how important the, the word was in their lives. Like I said, first of all, they needed a revelation of that. For I, need to, I need to have my quiet time with the Lord. I need to set an appointment with the Lord. A place and a time where I meet with the Lord. And I need to hear God. I need to learn to hear God. I need to study the Word. I need to have time in the Word. It's important. For me. So I can be helped. I can be healed everywhere I hurt. Empowered by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. I will have a greater revelation of the love that He has for me. And I will prosper because I will trust and, and create an apostolic atmosphere where I will only speak what I hear God say. And I will only do what I see my Father do. Just like Jesus said. And I will prosper in every area of my life. Relationally. Physically. Mentally. Emotionally. Financially. But then he turns and he says, Now, that your light is shining bright. That you've been helped. Don't take an... Hide that lamp under a basket. Don't, don't do that. Put it up on a candlestick. Put it up high so it will shine the light on everybody else. You are that city on a hill. You are to keep focused on that candlestick on which the candle is burning brightly. Jesus himself. Amen. Without Him, nothing else matters. It's all about Him. It's all for Him. And it always has been Him. Don't feel excluded because you are in Him. You are part of Him. You are in Christ. Amen. Amen. One man. That's what God is, is creating out of the church. We're part of His body. We are Christ. We belong to Him. We are in Him. And He is in us. We are one. Psalm 119 says, The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word is how Jesus says He shines light into all of our situations. And so it's necessary. It's relevant. It's important. So why hide your light? Why be ashamed of who you are now in Christ? Are you unsure? Is it because you're not confident? Spend more time with the Lord. I'm not being legalistic. I'm just telling you. You see that sign everywhere. Seven days without Christ makes one week. (laughs) 
W-E-A-K. And it's true. I can talk to somebody. I can tell when their prayer life is weak. I can tell when their, their relationship with the Lord is not a suffering. And I'm not saying it to condemn anyone. I'm saying I'm giving you a fix. When you think you don't have time, that's when you need to give Him the most time. How often do we neglect meditating on the Word of God because we're just too busy? We don't have time. Not today. I got it. Man, I'm so tired already. And then I wake up and I got it. I just got just enough time to get ready and get to work. I, come on. And I think it's in a way it's because we know He loves us and He's the one that will forgive us when the ones in the world won't. We can't get there, right? So I get it. I get it. And more and more, you know, uh, people aren't missing a church so much because of they, they're choosing just to work extra or their business, you know, they, they, they're scheduled to, to not. And, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. God's not offended with your job. Amen. He's not grading on attendance. I'm just telling you, you need to have a place where you meet with God and you need to keep those appointments. You need to make it special. You need to read the Word. When you're praying, you need to have your Bible with you. You need to be asking Him to speak to you in a way that you'll understand. Just just do simple things like a little child would. So you, Just to let Him know how much you care about wanting to know Him better and know His ways and His Word better so that you will walk in victory in this life. And He, he alright, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you that way then. I'm going to show you that narrow path. The road to hell is broad and most people choose it. The road to life is narrow and only a few find it. That's very sobering, but those are the words of Jesus. He said it. Amen? Amen. Especially the darker things get, the word is more important. We're going to have whatever we say. So it says in Mark eleven twenty three, eleven twenty four. Whatever, whenever you pray, believe that you have whatsoever you ask for, you will have it. Amen. Believe and not doubt. Whatsoever we think that's we think on the good things, and we should, and we should. But whatsoever also includes the ugly. When you speak doubt, when you speak unbelief, you say so. If you say so, don't seal your own fate with your own words. Tomorrow's Veterans Day, right? Mm -hmm. Veterans Day. We have a lot of veterans. You know the cool thing about Veterans Day? Memorial Day is great because we remember all those who gave their life for us. Veterans are the ones that are still with us, that served for us. You know how many have this... PTSD, you know, and, uh, you know, I know a one-step program for that. But it's very real to them, you know. How many of them, you know, you're a Christian soldier. You're an ambassador for Christ. How many of them need to hear the words of life, the words of peace, and love and joy. See, because if you live in the past, 
You are paralyzing today and sacrificing tomorrow. If you live in the past, good or bad. Amen? Yeah. If you, you know, I just, I go back to the many decades I sat on a bar stool and, and I heard all the war stories. All these tough guys and all these great achievements that they had done. I said, if I got to hear one more story about what you used to do and what you used to be. You know, God, God don't like that. What are you doing now? He don't care where you've been so much as he cares where you're heading. Let's focus on the future. There's no future in the past. Never let your memories be greater than your dreams. There's a lot of painful past. And there's some successful things that we like to talk about and brag about. Do yourself a favor and forget about all of them. Just use them to, to draw on for ministry. Some to keep you humble. Some to remind you what God has done in the past and His faithfulness. Amen. Some to draw upon experiences to witness and minister to others because God will do that too. Some of, some of the only stories I ever retell anymore is when I run across someone who's in a similar situation of some stupid thing that I did. Amen. Amen. You know how much He loves you today? You got to practice letting your light shine brighter. Going to practice living out of the spirit of God instead of the flesh. You can do it. That's what you were made to do. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this beautiful day and for these beautiful people that you have sent here to worship and to grow in the word of God. We thank you for the spirit of God. Holy Spirit, you are beautiful. You are lovely. You are a wonderful guide and teacher. Thank you for guiding us through this life as the darkness ever increases, Lord. We will not focus on the darkness. Christians do not rebuke the darkness when they walk into a dark room. They flip the switch. They flip the light on. That's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the light, not the dark. Because wherever we go, there's going to be light. Because you're with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And we love you for it. And help us to focus on you, Lord, and not on the situations and circumstances of this life or this world, but on our eternal home in heaven with you, where we are seated right now with you in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.